is film like milk. Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm. Damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we talk about films that have gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. I'm one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, mouthful of plastic, got my Invisalign, sorry for the slurring guys. And with me forever and ever and ever and ever until we are bones in the ground is David William Rogers. Hello, Hello, sir. and let me just, let me start to slur with you because David's back on the sauce. Oh, David's back. I got back. this booty sweat and denang. It's been almost seven Holy weeks. Holy shit. Holy I feel, shit. I we... feel good, but I, I got to tune up because I'm going on a bar crawl this weekend, so I got to get the liver, you know. Yes, we are. Yeah. We are going on a bar crawl. Um, well, I'm glad to have slurry David back because it's been a minute <laughs> and I miss you. Um, we have a guest joining us who I don't think is slurring today, but we'll get to her in just a moment. We're excited to introduce you guys to her. David William Rogers, what is the film that we are doing this day? The film that we are doing this day is Uptown Girls, 2003, directed by Boaz Yakin, I believe it is. Writing credits, Julia Marguerite um, Hogman is her name. That's a that's a good name. Um, mm-hmm. Mo <laughs> Orgrode. Nick, this one's... I'm already slurring after one set. Mouthful. Yeah, and Lisa <laughs> Davidowitz. Now, that's a good, solid name. So That's um, a great name. It's a, kind of a star-studded cast. Uh, a lot of people would recognize a lot of the actors in this, and you got a couple musicians that pop up throughout this movie as mm-hmm. well. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, Brittany Murphy movie, and, you know, there's a... Yeah. Sad history with that, but I feel like it's a feel-good mm. movie, Uptown Girls. That's right. Lots to talk about. I don't even remember whose turn it is to do the synopsis, but I'm guessing you didn't see this film when you were a kid, did you? Oh, you mean when me and all my buddies went to it in the theaters? <laughs> you did? <laughs> no, I never even oh, okay. heard about this. That's right, and that's why I think guest. you should do the synopsis, okay. because when you haven't heard the movie, it's always great to get the fresh mm-hmm. take, you know, that fresh booty sweat take. Oh, it's take. coming so fresh. Take Take it away, David William Rogers. Go. All right. So you got the you got this this young lady, I would say. She wakes up and it's almost a kind of like I felt breakfast at Tiffany's kind of opening. She's like this socialite um, young lady. She wakes up, she's got a bunch of gifts. It's her birthday, it's her twenty second birthday. Her friend's hitting her up. She's talking to like the door people, giving them gifts because there's a ton of gifts outside in her lobby. She's well-respected and loved in the community. And she is the daughter of a musician who passed away. So like she's living off those royalties, living in New York, having a great time, um, goes to a birthday and it's a surprise. All the friends are there. And she meets this guy who's like a, a new up and coming singer, falls in love with them. And then she also meets Dakota Fanning, who's like this eight year old, um, eight year old going on 35 year old, basically a little neurotic. And she ends up losing um, all the money that her dad had because she was fucked over by that business manager. So she's got to get a job, right? Job in New York. She hasn't really worked that much. She's trying to find a good job. She ends up taking care co- ter- slurring already taking care of dakota fanning right whose mom is kind of absent and dakota fanning's dad is in a coma so you got um these two dynamic personalities who kind of clash at the beginning and then they kind of find each other in the middle and there's a little bit of grief that they both overcome and it's a coming of age story for both of them and it, it was interesting i'm surprised i never heard about this movie 
and yeah, I'd never seen it, but yeah, let's, let's talk about it. I loved this movie when I was a kid. I definitely, well, I say kid, I think it came out in 2003. So I was like towards the end of high school. Um, but I loved it. I think it was, you know, Brittany Murphy definitely had the style that I wanted in 2003. These like really asymmetrical skirts. She like knew all these singers. She lived in New York. It was very aspirational. And then, yeah, you had this like little bitchy uptight little kid, <laughs> Dakota Fanning. Um, but I love this movie. And I think this is a good time to introduce our guest uh, who did in fact recommend this film to us, uh, Paige Bonanno. Hello hey, and welcome. Hey guys, thanks for having me. This is so much fun. And yes, yes, I love hey. Uptown Girls. It was like one of the movies that I had watched so much when I was little. And I, I, that's why I was asking you, David. I'm like, have you seen this one before? And you're like, no, I actually haven't. I'm like, I didn't think you would. But it, like, it's such a good film. And I'm glad that we get to talk about it today. It's a great film. It's a great film. And Paige, you are a writer-producer. Mm -hmm. You also do promotions. And I believe you're at ABC. Is yes, this correct? It is correct up until Friday, actually. So I am a writer-producer. I work at... ABC. Mm. I've been there for the past six and a half years. And I'm actually, mm -hmm. I just accepted a new job uh, as a senior producer at Disney Studios. So congratulations. Yeah. We love, Cheers. we love Disney. We canceled, we canceled it at our house for a hot second and I threw no, a no, no. bit and then you we got it back. That. You gotta so, get that back. Yeah. You can't cancel <laughs> no Disney. Way. I need Disney's my Disney got, movies. I mean, the Disney well, collection, the library. I mean, you have it all just with that. Oh, uh, it's, it's too much. Well, Thank congratulations. You. So tell us a little bit, though, about your career. How did you get mm -hmm. started and what did a day to day look yeah, like? Yeah, so you? pretty much I actually moved here from Wisconsin. Shout out to David because he's from good old cheese state, too. Every, every, everybody's from fucking Wisconsin. <laughs> All I your swear friends to are God. from Wisconsin. Um, All but, of my friends. So, yeah, I moved from Wisconsin, uh, took an internship at ABC, and then literally just stayed there ever since. Like, worked up in in that uh realm of it's actually yeah like marketing and promotions entertainment marketing and so i write and produce uh promotions like on-air spots different digital content um i produce shoots and do interviews with talent just like kind of the whole um spectrum of marketing for the shows on the network and um yeah i'll be moving over to disney like i said and working at the hive which is Disney's in-house creative agency and pretty much doing the same thing nice. uh, as I'm doing now with the marketing and promotions, except for um, Disney Plus, theatrical, um, different content like that. So um, yeah, I, I've been in LA, like I said, almost seven years and uh, living in West Hollywood. I love it here and hope to stay as long as I can. <laughs> Very exciting. And how closely does the marketing team work with the content team on a day-to-day -day basis? I'm so curious. It's, it's different because like, like right now I'm working on Queens and that's our new show that just launched mm. two weeks ago. And pretty much like we're working with the show, like in order to get all the assets, but we're not working with them as much like on a day to day basis. We're kind of doing our own, um, like our own shoots and different things just to promote the shows. So it's all like, right. you know, obviously all the marketing team, but, um, yeah, we work with them to like get assets, like get different things like that, but they're kind of like their own entity. And then we have our own, but we have so many different departments within marketing, you know, I'm on the creative team, but we also have strategy and um, graphics and, you know, like partnerships, everything. So it's just like a big, crazy family of people that, you know, come together to create everything and make sure people make can sure find people your can shows. Find the shows. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but that's so exciting. So yeah, promotions is a big part, I think, mm -hmm. of the entertainment business that people don't really think about because, uh, there are a lot of shows and a lot of movies and you have to cut through the noise sure. to 
get uh, get ahead. Uh, do you remember any of the promotions for Uptown Girls? I'm curious to know. Oh my gosh, no! But I actually did go back and watch the trailer after I suggested it. I'm like, let's just see how mm-hmm. this how this trailer is. Because now that like I work <laughs> in that world, I'm always so curious, especially with old movies like how the trailers were. And it's just yeah. like. It's so funny because they're all, I mean, they're obviously so dated and they're like, Molly Gunn was like a, a young yes. rock star. And it's just so funny, like how marketing and promotions has evolved so much. And now yes. it's like sound design and, and cuttiness and like really it, it's less like voiceover and things like that. Um, but no, I don't, when I was little, don't remember any of the promotions, unfortunately. I- I feel like every trailer had the same guy doing voiceover yeah. for like in 20 years. Like, in a world where Brittany yeah. Murphy has a pig. Who is that guy? And where, yeah. what's he up to? We should find probably, him. We should probably. He's probably crushing it Yeah. Oh, he's been making years. some buku bucks, that's for sure. Like, he's been <laughs> making some But it's, money. It, it is different, like, when you look at, say, like, the June Dune, <laughs> I'd say June, but I mean Dune in America. Uh, the Dune trailer is very much like a cinematic piece. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have a voiceover necessarily. It's like, da 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 cuts to music, mm-hmm. giving you a sense of what it's about, giving you a flavor of the film. Um, it's interesting to see, I think, that we've evolved yeah. because people, marketing moves on. We have social media now. People's attention spans are so much shorter. Right, so. and especially like they were probably cutting on tape back then, so you can really only make it one note. It's like you're doing those cuts, but now we're obviously editing on Premiere and all these different um, softwares that we have. So it's like you can do these crazy like quick cuts, and even if it doesn't have those quick cuts, it's just like the way that it evolved is just, it's really interesting. And I never had really set out to do marketing. And now I'm like so into trailers and that stuff because I mean, like you said, it is how you really sell the show at all. Because like you could have a really bad show and have an amazing marketing campaign. And it's like, as long as you're doing your job, then Hey, you can't do it. You can't do anything (laughs) about the content. So. Yeah, totally. I mean, Marketing is such a huge part. Like I said, it cuts through the noise. Mm-hmm. It kind of gives people a vibe of what they're looking for. And uh, yeah, I mean, now with streaming, you know, you really have people's attention for like a second, mm-hmm. right? So truly, very fascinating. Paige, do you sit in with like um, the editing? I, you mentioned Premiere. Mm-hmm. Do you sit in like with your team and say like, all right, maybe not do this or do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So actually like give some as a producer, like I generally have my editors that I work with um, one-on-one. And now that we're working from home, obviously I don't sit in the bay with him and do it, but always we, you know, have always like sat in the bay and like they kind of will edit and we'll go and give notes, but I also edit myself as well. And then I'll, I'll kind of lay out a rough cut. Like I don't do the whole, you know, crazy sound effects and all the finesse of it, mm-hmm. but I can like lay out the way that I see it playing out and then hand it over to the editor. And then they do like the whole crafting situation but then they'll work on their own, craft all that up, and then send it back to me, and I'll give notes on on what I think should change or changing the story around. But I'm I'm mainly writing that like initial story of how I see the the trailers uh, playing out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's dope. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the film, you yes. guys. So, Uptown Girls, two thousand and three. Uh, interesting themes in this film. I know we wanted to touch on that. Paige, what was the first theme that really jumped out to you yeah. when you were rewatching this movie? I mean, I actually wrote a couple down because there were so many themes in this in this uh, movie that I felt like still. I, first of all, I feel like the movie just still completely holds up. Like mm. I, I mean, like I said, I thought the movie was great, but I also now as an adult, I haven't watched it in years and years and years. But I had just watched the Brittany Murphy documentary, and I was like, damn, like she was such a good actress, like this is so crazy. So I went on this rabbit hole of like wanting to go back and watch all her movies. And then Mm -hmm. when David asked me to do this podcast, I'm like, 
in the Britney Murphy mindset. So then, you know, kind of went back and rewatched Uptown Girls and was like, damn, like this, it made me cry still. I think there's so many themes that you can still connect to. Like, you know, just like the growing up, like you, you know, you never have to grow up, but like, it's like kind of both, you know, like there's that like aging, but then there's also like also mental health and depression and then like grief and also like just the overall theme of finding yourself. I feel like mm-hmm. there's just so many in this that it, it presents itself as like kind of a an upbeat, like feel good story. But then when you're really digging deep, deep into it, like there's so much more substance to it than is right on the surface. Yeah, a lot of layers to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's great to have like Dakota Fanning and Brittany Murphy, kind of the two sides of uh, what does it look like to be, you know, a young woman? Because we've got this eight year old and then we've got this 22 year old and they're revolt, they're, you know, their personalities are flipped. Mm-hmm. You know, Brittany Murphy is like running around being crazy and Dakota Fanning is wiping off her water bottle. I would feel like at um, 22, <laughs> like you shouldn't even be as crazy as she was at at eight. Like that's like a yeah. like a 35, no, not even. That's like a 55 year old. No, I think she said 80, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's she funny to- therapy Right, she's she like three. popping pills. I'm like, girl, yeah, you're eight. Yeah. How do you it's, even know what it is? It's also funny <laughs> to watch it now because 22 <laughs> seems really young to right? me. And like- when they're at their birthday at her birthday party, someone makes a comment like, "Oh my God, you're so old!" Or like, "She should get work or something." And she's get freaking Botox. out. Botox. Yeah, yeah, I mean, 22 is a baby mm. from where I'm standing. I thought that too because know? as like watching it when we were younger, I was always like, "Oh my God!" Like, she seems so old and like put together and Mature, whatever. And she's 22 yeah. in the movie. I'm like, she had so yeah. much life to still live at that point. And what was that? That 19 year old starts dancing. There was like, I just turned 19 and almost killed myself. Yeah. Like, yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? about how that. are you in this club? Right, how, how are you in this club? club? Yeah. <laughs> also, Dakota Fanning was in the club. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, her mom, Heather Locklear, you know, dragged swing. her in. Yeah. yeah. Is that a swing for you, David? That's a swing for mm-hmm. me. Okay. So, Wayne's World reference, but she is very Oh, pretty. she's smoking. She is smoking <laughs> yes. still. But, like, yeah, seeing her, because I forgot that she was in that movie, and then you're kind of like, why is she so familiar? And you're like, oh, it's Heather Locklear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and I did read the Roger Ebert um, review, and it was like, Heather Locklear as the mom? Like, what is the world coming to? Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, you know, now at 2021, yeah. like, obviously. But I guess at the time, it was like she was still mm-hmm. young and hot mm-hmm. and ready to go. I thought she did a great job at that part, too. But Yeah, she mm-hmm. was. Yeah. But, yeah, we talked about a little bit one of the themes is grief. And I think that's an interesting thing to dive into because uh, – Brittany Murphy is struggling with grief. She was obviously orphaned at a young age. And then Dakota Fanning, we don't really understand her grief in the beginning or like why she is the way that she she is. But then when we go into the apartment, we find out that her father is in a coma, unfortunately. And she keeps speaking about him very derogatorily, like he's a vegetable, blah, blah, blah. And through the progression of the film, we see Brittany Murphy's character help her you know, go in and talk to him and like really approach it with more love. And then unfortunately he dies and they have this moment where she's like, you promised. And it's really, really Mm. sad. But that is part of the growing up that you were talking about. You know, I think as kids, we weren't always faced with grief and with, um, with death. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly we are, you know, and it's also like, you know, she obviously, like you said, we don't really understand like why she is the way that she is at first. And we're thinking it's more just because like the mom doesn't really pay attention to her. And it's like, well, that's not really a way or a reason why this kid would be completely like this. But like she feels, mm-hmm. I feel like abandoned in so many senses. Like her mom doesn't take care of her. And especially because her dad is in this, in this situation. So it's like their griefs are almost like completely reversed where Brittany mm-hmm. or 
what was her character's name? Why can't Molly. Uh, Molly. So Molly. like Molly was very loved by her parents and had everything that she ever wanted. And then they passed away so unexpectedly and she had to deal with it that way. Whereas Dakota, um, what's her name in the film? Why am I forgetting? Uh, Ray. Ray. Okay. Ray. So Ray, where her parents like, she didn't expect this from her dad, but she didn't feel, you know, she was kind of just pushing it off and, and didn't have that love for him after he became that way because she felt like she couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. open up that way. So it's like, you're seeing yeah. two different ways that people are processing grief. And it's like, I feel like a lot of times when grief happens to somebody, it's like, well, they are not reacting this way or they're not doing this. And it's like, everybody's grief is obviously different. And that's really so shown different. in this, even yeah. so long ago in this film. I, I felt that Ray, it was just how we've been talking about the, like the different dynamics where Brittany Murphy's acting a little bit younger, Ray's acting a little bit older, mm-hmm. um, Dakota Fanny's character. And that, you know, adults, oh, this is part of life. Yes, he's in a coma. It's fine. And then, you know, she finally breaks down and lets that go. Like, that's how a kid Mm -hmm. should react. Like, my dad is in this situation. She's only eight years old. She's going to feel some type Mm -hmm. of way. Right. And she when she lets it hit her, which she did an amazing job. That is not easy to do acting. Um, So so I, I thought it was kind of with that grief sense reversed as well, I read uh, especially it, with Ray's character. I read it as well as like that all the things that she did, it was like she was this little kid who was trying to maintain a sense of control mm. when her life was clearly out of control. Her dad getting sick, her mom really not paying attention to her. You know, she obviously acts out by getting all the nannies fired. And like, I think Brittany Murphy's character is like, yeah, the her friends are like, yeah, she can't keep a nanny and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But like, you know, she is when you're that old, I remember being young and feeling like I had no control over my life, no agency. Imagine having someone close to you sick, you know? It's, yeah. And yeah, she really didn't have sad. anybody to lean on because her mom mm-hmm. was off, you know, obviously she's like banging the banging talent. The, yeah. The talent. She's obviously this big record producer. You got to get new business. Right? Hey, hey, you got to do, you got to do. Um, <laughs> she was like this big record producer and not there, but I, it, it kind of made me wonder, like, was the mom not there the entire childhood or was it more like once the dad became a vegetable then she she might have been dealing with her own grief in her that's own what way, i thought like know? that's kind of what i got out of it was like i don't know how long the dad was in a coma but it seemed like maybe when that happened that's where the disconnect happened because you know she was dealing with grief one way like diving into work yeah. and and mm-hmm. dating people and whatnot and that kind of like spun dakota into something else her. yeah that's I a think, good way to think about it. i think it's funny as well like to talk about like the way that we basically i mean heather lockley's character wasn't that big of a character mm-hmm. let's be real but it was interesting to see the three different like or well, actually four i guess because she had a best friend four different women mm-hmm. living in new york i mean one is an eight-year-old she's super uptight but she loves ballet and she always talks about like the fundamentals. And then you have like the super uptight best friend yeah. who like, you know, is filling her world. It's trying to be cultured. The mom is like this hardworking woman. And then our entry point, Molly is this free spirited girl. But I felt like the audience was sort of supposed to feel one type of way, which is like, well, she's out of control, mm-hmm. you know, like she was like the dreamer, but like, I think there is a place for people like Molly. And I think it's really sad that through the movie, we see people trying to change her. Mm. And it's great, you know, at the end that she kind of comes back to herself. uh, She becomes like a designer for these musicians, Mm -hmm. but she still maintains her free spirit. um, Which, yeah, which is great because she brought a lot of that out of Dakota Dakota Fanning and and Ray's character. But she had to get a little, like she said. She had to grow um, up a little. Ray gave her that that Mm -hmm. quote is all based off the foundation. Mm -hmm. That's why when she's interviewing for um, fashion school, 
she's like, you can just go work with all your artist friends. You don't need to come to school. And she's like, no, I like, I need this foundation yeah. to, to build upon. They so grew, like, they grew they, from each other, they, right? Exactly. They taught, taught each other. And part of, um, part of it with Ray, I think Brittany mentioned it or somebody mentioned it in the movie. She was out of control. Mm-hmm. She seemed like a little, that she was in control as a, but she's, popping pills mm-hmm. thinking she's sick all the time um she was getting in fights mm-hmm, mm-hmm. lashing out so she was having a lot of like emotional outbursts and issues you're talking about ray and I asked, ray yeah. yeah and i thought it was kind of a cool scene uh when they got in that yeah. fight when <laughs> there's no excuse to ever is. put your hands on another person and then she's like exactly <laughs> she's my nanny was slutty yeah. and they and cut she's like, to next, she's yeah. struggling her and i don't know but with women's scenes like that and they like team up mm-hmm. and, I don't but it's funny because it's, it's like I think it's a cool yeah scene. and it's like i mean molly was obviously dealing with it differently because she was never she was always still acting young and really like out of control in the sense that she was you know she never did grow up because it was like she was almost stuck in that like eight-year-old mindset of when her parents mm-hmm. died because it was around the same age that ray was so like her parents passed away and then she never she, she was just living off of them and really was still grieving those entire, her entire life. I mean, obviously still, but like up until she was 22. And like, that's where all of that stemmed from was like, she couldn't grow up because she, she, she was traumatized. Yeah. yeah. And there's an acceptance part with her early on. So she meets, um, Neil. Neil, played by Jesse Spencer. And she's like, Oh wow. Blah, blah, blah. And she just had it where she's like, Do, am I, did I lose my looks? Blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I love this guy. He's handsome. They spent a couple days together and she's like, oh my God, calling her friend. He's, he's, suffer- he's suffocating me. You got to get him out of mm-hmm. here. And then Neil's like, all right, I'm leaving. She's like, wait, no. Yeah, it's like she doesn't stay. know who she is. And yeah. yeah. Super yeah. toxic. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> and it's just her mindset and her confidence and self-esteem. But through this movie, and she has some some hardships, she finds that and she builds herself up. Mm-hmm. Like you said, finds herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was cool. Can I just like, say, like, 22, I was a mess at 22. <laughs> so, like, everybody's judging right. her, like... She needs to grow up. I like literally learned how to use a washing machine at the age oh of twenty two. And that's that's me <laughs> yeah. fucking sheltered as fuck. I get that. But like I remember, you know, I just don't think twenty two is like that For sure. out of control. No, totally. You know? And what, why was her friend like acting like she was fifty years old? I'm like, okay, so obviously yeah. you're twenty two as well. Like why do you seem like you're this old well, as adult? I'll tell you why. Her name is Ingrid. Yeah, come on. Like, if your name is Ingrid, like, you're automatic. Ingrid, Gretchen. When you're like, born Ingrid, mm-hmm. you start out at 30. Totally, yeah. Right. I actually 100% agree with you. <laughs> that is hilarious. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the acting, you guys, because obviously Dakota Canada, let me try that again. Dakota Fanning is now regarded like one of the most amazing actresses. She's had such an incredible career, but she's literally a child in this film. Mm-hmm. Was this her first film or had she done film? She had this? done like a couple before this and like, mm-hmm. I, okay, to say about how great her acting was, like after I watched this film again, I like went on this Dakota Fanning rabbit hole and was like <laughs> looking up all the stuff that she had done because I'm like, damn, she was like eight years old in this film and she was so incredible that you actually mm-hmm. think she's a real adult. So it seemed like she had done a few movies before this. She was the youngest actress ever to get like a screen actress guild award for i think it was i am sam or one of the first films that she had done oh yeah and mm-hmm. she had like started doing like little commercials and stuff at first but like she was obviously so incredible and yeah i mean like her acting was just completely phenomenal in this movie and she still is like one of the best actresses ever oh and i would say as well that britney murphy's acting was actually really amazing mm-hmm. people at the time really couldn't figure out if she was like actually kind of dopey or like, and Roger Ebert was sort of saying in his review that 
he got glimpses of like Lucille Ball from her, mm. you know, obviously one of the most iconic physical actresses ever. Um, and I think the comedy of Brittany Murphy, like clueless, obviously she was amazing. Like this film, she really carried it like her and Dakota yeah. Fanning together. Mm-hmm. She was 17 when she did clueless. Oh really? Wow. Uh, Paige, after we talked, I started watching that documentary. Yeah. I think there's two episodes now on HBO mm-hmm. max and it's wild to see her life. She was only 32 when she Dude, passed away. It's crazy. And, and it was only like what? Yeah. 2010 or something. I think I feel yeah, oh nine she passed. Away. I haven't watched the documentary, but Watch I feel it. conflicted about it. Well, feel, she's got so much I, work when they moved out to California. Like her mom was like, "You really want to do yeah. this?" And she's like, "Yeah." And you could see they show some earlier videos of her. She just had this personality. Mm. And when they cast Clueless, um, they were talking about somebody in the first episode that you could recast. Uh, who was the main actor in Clueless? Oh, uh, Alicia Silverstone. Like people had the conversation. Like, could you? Could you have cast somebody else for Alicia Silverstone's uh, character? Maybe, right? And you throw a couple of other names out there. They're like, you could not yeah. recast Brittany Murphy's mm-hmm. character mm-hmm. Uh, because she was just who she was and lit up the screen. Yeah. Right? And with her emotions. I feel a little conflicted about the documentary in the same way that I feel conflicted about the Britney Spears documentaries that are floating mm-hmm. around. Because I do feel like. Uh, from what I read, I read an article on Jezebel about it. It seems like, you know, when Britney died, I mean, she was one of the celebrities I remember, like, as a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, really being hurt that she had passed away. Um, There's a little bit of, like, tabloid, paparazzi, like, nastiness around Britney Spears and Britney Murphy. Mm -hmm. And, like, I admittedly haven't watched the documentary, and I totally will, you know, at least watch the first episode. Mm -hmm. But I do think we need to be kind of like keep an eye on stuff that is making money and you know uh gaining popularity about people without like sort of obviously britney's not with us anymore but like the britney spears documentaries like she sort of decries them a little bit i think there's a gives more like power to like the dad and whatever and like in in the britney murphy one i actually kind of thought about that a little bit as well only because it was like i mean part of the documentary was like really celebrating how great of an actress she was, which I love that. And I loved seeing love seeing all that. But yeah. like a lot of it was just kind of this dead end, like chase into her ex-husband being a weirdo. And like, yeah, honestly, for me, it, it was interesting because I didn't really know much about the Brittany Murphy situation. Like I had obviously known that she died, but I just thought, I honestly thought she like overdosed or something. Like I never really looked much. Same. That's, what I, that's what I remember. Yeah. Like I remember so, her overdosing. Yeah. And then this actually taught me a lot about like, wow, she, her health just deteriorated so much from like this crazy yeah. situation and she was in. Didn't the husband and the mom die from the similar things? Did. Yeah. The okay. husband did six months later. Yeah. But um, I I like the way it's portrayed because it is saying, look at what she did, who she was. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of sad because she felt a certain way, kind of ho- what Hollywood was doing with leads and making her feel a certain way. So she felt at some point she had to be skinny to be mm-hmm. a lead. She had to dye her hair mm-hmm. blonde to be a lead. She had to be you know, and then, someone that people wanted to sleep with. Yeah. And these are all things that was feedback people around her said. And then... It was almost like she know, couldn't, like, be who she needed who to she be. Was. And then, like, the, she was so... And what got her there. Right, and then she, like, yeah. was so, you know, taken under the influence of this powerful guy and then t- completely lost herself and nobody could even get a hold of her and she was, like, completely alone. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, so sad. And it's, like, it kind of makes you watch sad. out for, like, so people that you know that might be, like, in a situation like that because you're, like... I had no idea that it even got to that point. It's just, it's, yeah. it's really enlightening. I think cautionary. Yeah. Too. It's definitely like, there's nothing new about people coming to LA and being chewed up and spit mm-hmm. out. Right. Like, and it's definitely a cautionary tale. I do. Again, like I just keep a side eye, like who's making the documentary, right. who's making, you know, the money off it. Are we, you know, 
is it just kind of like torture porn, not torture porn, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the, the road that we go down, where we're, like, I'm so happy Britney's free and like celebrate her release from conservatorship. But like, you know, they really hounded Britney Murphy in the media. Like I remember, like you were saying, um, yeah. everybody thought her husband, husband was kind of weird. She was very overcritic. Like people just criticized her at the time. You probably, if you guys remember, like people were really putting her under a microscope. Right. And as we can, as we can see from this film, she's just an amazing comedic actress. Like, yeah. like the, she acted she, so much, like just in like, her eyes alone. She's just so, Oh my God. I was gonna, I was going to talk about her eyes. Yeah, like, her so eyes are just ma- and, like giant yeah. and, but the physicalness as well, like there's a scene where she's like running and she breaks a heel. Like mm. she was just, uh, there's another scene where she's like on the phone calling Neil, trying to call Neil. And then like the laundry is like overflowing yeah. with bubbles. I, I was trying to see if that was a, <laughs> if that was a stunt double, it might've been, but just like everything, she just like bridge. drops the phone. Yeah. yeah. And like, I mean, her movies are so different too. Like, okay, you go from Uptown Girls to 8 Mile. It's like she, mm-hmm. the differences in the characters that she could play was incredible. Yeah, she had range, mm-hmm. and it's sad because who knows what she could have done if she yeah. mm-hmm. was never introduced to this guy Seriously. or didn't you know take on some of the negativity that was being so talked sad. about her and put in her ear. Yeah, so it's it's very it, tragic, and unfortunately, this industry you know it does not it, people we do lose people, mm-hmm. and it's awful mm-hmm. um, because of one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's very interesting that, you know, Britney Spears and Britney Murphy have these documentaries out right now, because I think people are starting to like ask questions and be like, yeah. you know, what the fuck? So what's up um, with the name Britney? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about as well, the, the acting of, uh, Donald Faison. He plays yes. one of the best friends. He's great. Love him from Scrubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is. And Clueless. And Clueless. Yes. They got to work together oh, yeah. twice. He, he is one of the only people of color that I counted in the film. Is this correct? Yes. When we were talking about like, you know, touching on the diversity of the film too, I was thinking about that. I'm like, what did, was there much diversity in this movie? I don't know. Like he obviously was a bigger character for the characters that were in there because there were only like a few yeah. leads, but like, yeah, there wasn't much diversity that I, it do, it's not very reflective of what New York is actually right. like you more, know? more than some of the other movies we watched. more than some of the other movies. He, so he was by, a main character. That's good. He yeah. Lines, and I feel like obviously a name. that was it, even in 2003, it's crazy. Like how different it was yeah. and how like not, do we think he goes through a journey though? Does he learn something? Because that's a big thing about characters. Mm. I do because there were some sweet moments of friendship with him oh, yeah. and uh, Brittany Murphy. It seems so, like he was. Like, she lived with him for a little bit. Yeah, it seems like he was always kind of like a good friend to them, though. Like even, mm-hmm. you know, even with the little girl, like he obviously couldn't stand her or stand to be around her, but he would take care of her. And it feels like he was obviously like yeah. busy and he was like partying all the time. But at the end of the day, like he's a really good person and a really good friend and a good heart. Yeah. I legitimately yeah. thought I couldn't remember, but I re- legitimately remember that I thought he had made a move on Brittany and I was really glad to rewatch it. Yes. And he did. It was that part. Like when they were in the, at the very end in like the apartment and she was watching yeah. Neil's music video. And I thought the same mm-hmm. thing. I was like, please, please, please don't let him make a move right now. Like I, I almost yeah. thought that he was going to, and then he didn't, and they were like hugged, and they yeah. were friends. And I was he like, was basically God. saying, yeah. "I'm," because he was saying, "I'm like yes." That. And I was I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." The one that does that stuff, yeah. and she was kind of attracted to it. And then he's like, "Ah, that's me. I'm behind the yeah. scenes." And then, yeah, yeah. They kind of like, but then it up wasn't a like bit. a weird, yeah, yeah. It wasn't weird. Yeah. I was not gonna I like felt that. The same way. I was like, <laughs> I, "Are you gonna make up?" <laughs> I, like, please no. I also <laughs> thought Jesse Spencer did a great job. Um, you know, he plays the rock star. I think. 
it's interesting to watch this movie and we didn't really talk about it much in themes, but uh, he really uses her character, mm. right? Like Molly, he sleeps with her and like, or like stays over and like, he's inspired by her. He writes a hook based off Egyptian cotton sheets that she buys him that she cannot afford. Sometimes that song and just like comes into my head, like over the past couple no, of years, no, no, by no, the no. way, that, that song sometimes really pops in my head. Same. Like, Where is that song from? <laughs> Same. It, it was her idea too to uh, write a hook. Right. Yeah. Right. She's like, what about a hook or a court? And, and put that, put that jacket, on, put that jacket on him. She invented you know? him. She made the jacket. What's that? She made that yeah, jacket. She made yeah, she it. made it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, it, go ahead. it just goes to show that, well, then at the end, he's like, I need you. You're my muse. And she kind of walks away, which is so great mm-hmm. because in a lot of rom-coms, it's like, then you get the guy and blah, blah, blah. But I think talking about like the self-discovery, uh, she grows so much and she realizes that she doesn't need a guy. And, you know, we kind of get the sense that like her friend Ingrid is like, you'll just be bored of him in a, in a week. And like, she clearly goes through dudes and then she's like, no, nah, I'm doing me, mm-hmm. you know, which we love to see. So we love Do to you guys see think at the end then, like when he did come back and cause he, he is kind of manipulative, right? So like at the end, he almost, he does seem sincere and he's like, you know what? Like when I'm not ready, like you're smothering me. And then now that I'm ready, you're not there. Like, do you guys think that he was completely hundred percent just using her? No. no, because he bought the guitars from that auction. So it was him that did it, right? It wasn't Roma. I, yeah. I was yeah, because okay. he showed up at Which, um, Ray's. Can we can we talk uh, one second? Recital. Those little girls handling those very expensive I thought guitars, the same thing. dancing around. I'm like, <laughs> Where you could are they expensive though. Uh, Tommy Gunn's <laughs> well, they guitars. were seventy five grand from the auction. They must have been For worth more money. And they and they said, you better take all of it. But I was like, cause... dude, yes. I literally thought the same thing. I'm like, those little. They girls... can get prop guitars, and they they drop them like whoopsies. Yeah, like that's like... her dad's legacy. Hello. Right. I'd be annoyed. Listen, those are professional dancers, right? Ballerinas. <laughs> See, for no matter a minute, what age. I was confused and I was like, was it Neil that bought it or was it Roma? Because obviously they're both rich and whatever, but it was Neil. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty that, sure. I, it was I think, Neil. I think so I, too. Yeah, so he had, um, you know, he. He came back a little bit. So you think Brittany played a good guy yeah, role? Yeah, like she. I mean, yeah. So maybe they after. maybe they got together. Absolved yeah. himself a little. Yeah, bit. that was. But afterwards. I mean, he was still banging Dakota Fanning's mom. No, he did bang her, but I don't think he's currently. But no, yeah. I said I, that's he what obviously I said. He banged her to get to where Dakota. he needed to go, and then was still in love with Brittany or whatever. Tried to win her back. She said no. Yeah. Then he bought the guitars. So I guess that's where we leave. <laughs> yeah, it's a little messy. Right. Let's be but real. hey, Neil's trying. I think maybe he's. You know, he's doing what he can. He's got that seventy-five grand now from the, from the, <laughs> from, the from the one from hit the wonder. Yeah. yeah, fuck your dinners like on you, dance, Neil. Though. Cunt. Um, Dakota Fanning crushed that that uh, ballerina yeah. dance, Aww. and she. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but she incorporated some of Molly's dancing mm-hmm. that Molly did in the that room. That was cute. Yeah. So instead like of just being this tight ballerina, yeah, she started mm-hmm. doing some of the. Brittany Murphy movie. It was so there's a lot of you can miss a lot of stuff in this movie. I feel yeah, like. it was so cute, like just finally connected. seeing her, you know, be happy and have fun and dance and not take everything so seriously and be a kid. And Brittany's like her acting at the very end of that when she's seeing her on stage. It's just like I was bawling. Now I'm like, did it make you guys cry at all, or is it just me? I mean, I've been in tears for days just out of stress. So yeah, I was like getting teary, but it didn't make me cry. Right. But I was like. It, it it was hard strings, yeah. right? Because I was yeah. like, "Damn, it's, let's go, it ma- ladies!" It makes you feel you know, good. We're growing. We're, yeah. we're growing. Yeah, we're feeling good. Mm-hmm. We're getting out the negative, and we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. It makes you feel good, but yeah, there are some logistical questions. Like, so is he still sleeping with the mom? Mm-hmm. Like, is it going to be weird? Uh, but yeah, it's very very heartfelt at the end. And I really like New York as a character in this film. I think you know, I love New York. 
it's a beautiful city mm. and it shows uh, Brittany Murphy sort of like really shows like how New York kind of like affects her character and Dakota is the same way. Like there's a great shot when they're on their way to Coney Island and Dakota Fanning's just like in the window of the F train, like, ah, oh, help me. Yeah. And she's getting sort of buried off. Um, Coney Island is a great mm. location. That's where she ends up being found. She runs away. Brittany Murphy's character finds her there. Mm-hmm. I think I think New York is a really important character in this film. I do too, especially like with the music industry that they're in. And it's like, it is the city that never sleeps. So we see, you know, Brittany Murphy waking up multiple days after not having slept the entire night. And she's just sleeping through the whole day. And like, that kind of is where her whole character derives from is not sleeping and, you know, partying and being this child and whatever. So it's like seeing that sense of it. And then also, you know, we see Dakota like going to school in Manhattan and and it, it definitely plays a part for sure in so many different facets of the film. Yeah, 100%. I think a lot of these movies that are set in New York, we just get like glimpses of it. Mm-hmm. But in this film, you know, she jumps into the pond in Central Park. We see them dancing yeah, through Central Park. Uh, you know, we see her walking on the streets. It's uh, We see her outside like the guy's house mm-hmm. in Chinatown with a pig um yeah i think it's i think it's important i think it sets a great backdrop i mean there's some movies where i'm like this didn't need to be set in new york right this one i feel like like what you're talking about the city that never sleeps the magic Mm -hmm. of it when she moves to that little baby apartment at the very end and it's like she walks outside and you see like the the people on the street like the Mm -hmm. it's just like so trashy over there and she's like i can't afford me right now i have to live here yeah but she's excited she's in a good attitude she has a good attitude because donald does anybody think her attitude was like almost a little too good for literally just losing a hundred million dollars and having to be on your friend's couch (laughs) i feel like i would be a wreck and be sad but she was just like Okay, like- I think she's I think she's so used to things just happening mm-hmm. for her like when she when the guy runs away with her money she's like he'll be back they always come back and she's just like an optimist mm-hmm. right like yeah. and look where her life takes her like you have was it the Backstreet Boys was that who that was that they're like no. yeah who was that guy that, at that very end that was Dave Grohl and Mark McGrath who were they okay um well Dave, Dave no. Navarro has oh. like that tattoo show now and he and he actually used to date she's in this movie as well um I thought you said Dave Carmen Electra. Yes, I, yes, oh. okay. I was like, Carmen this guy's so freaking familiar, yeah. but I can't figure out from where he's from. Um, yeah, and then yeah. Uh, the other guy, uh, what is it? I think Mark he, McGrath, I think that's, that's, I forget. I'm not even going to try it, but he was Okay, he was, I, fully, uh, I fully thought it was the Backstreet Boys. Band. But it's like um, she stood so. her ground, like you said, David, and like then it, look where her life took her. She was like optimistic, and she you know, didn't do things that she didn't want to do, and she made it, and now she's going to be a big costume designer. So it's like, yeah. hey, if you just stay optimistic... You get that hundred million back. Well, and just like she was a good person and she was going to do it her own mm-hmm. way, you know, and that just goes to show like you don't have to be a bloodthirsty bitch, yeah. you know, you can just like do it your own <laughs> I also like too how she own. didn't take her job back when Dakota's like, you know, you can have mm-hmm. it back. And she's like, you know, what? we've moved past this point now. Like she, we're friends. we're friends now. Like we've like learned from each other and we're going to be friends forever. And that cute line when she's like, I don't see any grownups here. And she's like, I do. <laughs> oh, it was so cute. Tears. It was so cute. Uh, so many tears, but mm-hmm. yeah, this is a great little film, David. I know you wanted to talk about um something, <laughs> something. Uh, oh yeah, when she slaps, you can't slap little kids. No, <laughs> no matter how hysterical they are. I just think you could have done that scene different, mm. right? She starts hitting her like you're an adult woman. You that doesn't. But matter. is she because she's kind of like a child. And then, <laughs> you know you grab her hug her let her, let her break mm-hmm. down a little bit after she gets it out but she, sl- she fucking slapped her in the yeah. face 
I don't think she I don't know. That you, just, you don't do that to a, It didn't a bug me, though. Like, for some reason, first. I was like, it, it allowed Dakota to well, really yeah. lash out. Well, it just died. Yeah. It, well, it just you shows. You don't slap a little that's girl. That's true. Okay, okay, in all fairness. In that situation, you do not, you know that she's in pain. You're the one that went and found her. You so what is she, she supposed was, to do? Take you, the slaps and just, like, stand there? She, I mean, she could grab her she, hand. Dakota Fanning's at her belly button. It's not yeah. like Dakota Fanning could slap her in the face. You don't punch down She doesn't slap her girl. She doesn't no. slap her so fucking hard. I, you I agree with I agree with you, but I'm you, just saying she doesn't like. A, okay, you know what this little kid is going through. Yeah, you let her vent, you let her hit you in the stomach a little bit, and then you let her when she starts crying. You give she's her a, a she's a little rough with Dakota in the beginning as well. When Dakota flips her off, yeah, she, she like, grabs her by the hand. She's like, "Don't ever do that again." And she's like, yeah. "You're hurting me." And she's like, "You hurt me." Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I didn't mind that. You're right. I guess she shouldn't be slapping her across the face. Right. But for some reason, Especially in the context in that of this film, it didn't bug me because I was like, it was like the vessel for her to actually lash out and and hit her and then get to that point where she realized that like she sure. needed to hug True. her. And, maybe, like, a, maybe a forehead flick it's just, from Brady. Yeah. <laughs> just push her down. Push her into a teacup. Right. Let her spin away. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. No, I think this is a great film. I think, you know, from top to bottom, it's a fun little flick. I'm glad that you recommended it, Paige, Aww. because uh, had you you've seen it before, cute. Paris, right? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, you, but yeah. you had, but not not in years, yeah. like not in 15 years. Um, but David, were there any fun facts about this film that you had? I some... couldn't find many fun facts. Okay, no fun um, facts. All I yeah, all I really saw was um, some nostalgia articles on women that were at sleepovers and watching this with all their friends and yeah. stuff like that. So um, can I just say that? This got a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes, though. I saw that. And I actually was trying to find, like, movies that, like, did equally as bad. But, uh, you know, like, Just My Luck with Lindsay Lohan has 14%. Oh, really? Um, I've never Which seen I was that. like, it kind of, no, it just, it was another, like, sort of rom-com. I mean, Monster-in-Law has 18%. That was, like, a silly. It says critics' consensus mm. with two obnoxious lead characters and an uneven screenplay. <laughs> Uptown Girls fails to charm. I'm like, 13%? In my That's mind, it was bit. way better than that, but no, it's way. I feel better. like they went into that with like a negative mindset yeah. and yeah. just judged it the whole time. And it's there's a lot you can filter out from this movie. There, the audience score that was sixty percent. So yeah, there you I go. mean, what score would you two give it, just numerically, before we like say a, if it aged or not? Like a just like a, a number, fill. one out of a hundred. Right now, quick answer. I think quick I would give it like a seventy. I was okay. gonna say like a sixty-five, seventy. Yeah. Right. What about you? I, I respect you guys. I would probably put it in the high sixties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because this doesn't t- like I'm not sure like. You're not like damn guys. You gotta watch, watch Uptown this. Girl. It's a fun. <laughs> what can you Girl, like? Yeah. It's a fun movie. Yeah. Like, what do it's you just want? Cute like, yeah, to have yeah. on like in the background when you've already seen it, and right. you're like, you can get a good little like, cry. Add a sleepover with wine. <laughs> exactly. You know, like. I feel like this is a type yeah. of movie that, like, if my dad took me and my brothers to the movies, like, to Blockbuster, and I knew I was having friends over, I'd be like, oh, my God, Uptown Girls, yeah. you know, like, and it would be a winner with your friends. Exactly. I feel like it would. I mean, I'm having a sleepover this friends. weekend inviting all my friends. We're watching Uptown Girls, so. Exactly. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so this is the part of the podcast where we like to give someone a shout out from the crew, because obviously a film, whether it gets 18% on Rotten Tomatoes or not, is a piece of work that people worked on they probably put their hearts and souls into it late nights um Paige you are our guest so you may choose your shout out first who are you going to shout out okay so I wanted to shout out the costume designer because I loved every outfit that Brittany Murphy wore I was like I want that that's so cute I love it so it looks like her name was Sarah Edwards so big shout out to her I thought she was great and the costumes were all amazing 
Well, done. well we see you and we appreciate you, Sarah. Yeah. Um, I was also going to choose that. So, David, who are you going to go with? Well, I was biting my tongue for a second there because I thought Paige picked the same person, but I yeah. also went with costume and wardrobe Ooh. department. Ooh. I went with Jill E. Anderson, oh, costume okay. designer. She worked on Conspiracy Theory, New Jack City, The Terminal. Um, she's done, she's still working. Her latest project um, called The Survivor. Uh, New York unit in 2021 so she's been doing her thing so I same thing I thought the costumes were really cool set in that time in 2003 yeah. it was and like very they, I'm seeing an article right now that was from September of this year and it says 18 years later we're still trying to copy Brittany Murphy style in Uptown Girls so it's like this is so <laughs> relevant here and other people yeah. are agreeing with us <laughs> held up so Jill E. Anderson we see you and we appreciate you Aww. we see you and we appreciate you I love that you guys you. do that by the way that's super cool I mean, we do. We see them when we appreciate Like, I worked on a movie, and it was really hard. And I would love someone to be like, hey, I see you, and I appreciate you. I know you, you know, were away from home for six months, and you cried every day because it's fucking stressful. And, you know. Paris, we see you, and we appreciate yeah. you. Thank you. And it's cool because this gets to live <laughs> on for them forever. Like, they're always going to be exactly. in the that, and it's, it's dope. I love that. Exactly. Well, I'm going to give a shout out to Heather Norton. She was the first camera assistant, uh, just like Marcus Mensa, who we had on one of our very early episodes. Camera teams um, work extremely hard. You know, they are the reason that we even, that their machine is the reason that we even have images. Um, and you don't often see that many women in the camera departments. Uh, so it's really exciting to see Heather. She also worked on Come From Away. She worked on Scenes From a Marriage. She worked on Madam Secretary. She worked on uh, Ricky and The Flash. She's done a lot of stuff. Um, it's, again, it's amazing. If there are women out there that want to go into camera, it is a tougher, it's a, t- it's a tough part of the industry, but it's so wonderful. And the people that I've met that work in camera absolutely love it. They're so obsessed with these beautiful machines that we have that can create content for us. So Heather... We see you and we appreciate you, lady. See you and we appreciate you. So, guys, now we need to know if this film... Oh, well, first of all, sorry. Paige, how can people connect with you if they want to find you? Yes, everybody connect with me, please. I love connecting with people. It's one of my favorite things. You guys can find me Mm -hmm. on Instagram and Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever, at Paige Bonanno. P-A-I-G-E-B-O-N-A-N-N-O. And what advice would you give to someone that was like, I want to work in marketing and promotions Mm. what would you say someone starting out? I would say to just network as much as possible I know that's kind of cliche but it's the only way that I got my start in the industry and it's really the only way that I've continued to move up in the industry is networking and also just um, making sure that you are making genuine connections with people and not just reaching out just to reach out like you know be intentional connections yes be intentional Uh, with the way that you're reaching out fuck you Neil (laughs) (laughs) yeah being intentional and uh making those connections for sure totally we love that well thank you so much for coming on guys Guys, do we think this movie aged like milk or not Paige you can go I think you guys know I mean I've been raving about (laughs) this movie the whole time I absolutely think it holds up 100% it aged like milk Mm -hmm. or it didn't age like milk right because yeah it did not age like milk because it's it's right you got it (laughs) shut it it's the best movie 70% of Rotten Tomatoes (laughs) yeah exactly all right David what do you think um, I think this movie, hmm, I think this movie for me aged like one of Ray's water bottles. Okay. So I saw like, Paige's like, let's do this movie. I'm like, oh, cool. He's like, great. Because it sounded like, you know, 
more of a, we'll check a ladies, ladies movie chick flick. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And so I wiped off the top like Ray did, Dakota Fanning. I took a sip and it was, it was delicious. Hey, okay. I, I said, just on the acting alone, uh, Brittany and Dakota crushed this movie. Mm. I thought there was a lot of layers to it. It wasn't just on the surface something, you know, two good actors and Brittany Murphy just watch this, have a couple laughs and it's over. Um, you can take some stuff from this, some life lessons. Mm -hmm. So I think this movie did not age like that. David, thanks for watching well, Uptown Girls for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget this. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'm gonna it's gonna be a trifecta then I don't think this movie aged like milk I think it's still fresh I think it's just so like fresh. Dakota when she went to uh Nathan's to try a hot dog she's very hesitant mm. she thought she's gonna throw up but actually you know she was fine so uh because I think you know you see this the trailer for this or whatever and it's like a lot of white people mm -hmm. and their white people problems but uh I loved that the women you know, showed like a range of like what people are going through. I think you guys are right. Like the depth of the grief. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it's worth a rewatch. I think it still holds up. We'll revisit it in like 20 years and like see what we think then. We'll, but we'll for now. We'll do this podcast again in 20 years. Exactly. Yeah. We'll get Dakota on. Yeah, right? Yeah, we'll get Dakota on. One of us will be one of us. I was thinking that as I was looking up. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if Dakota Fanny would be my friend. Like, I feel like we would get along. <laughs> I, feel I feel like, like she would guys, be. Yeah. All right, I'll just send her yeah, a message right. on Insta. She seems she, she seems really chill, and I from yeah. what I've read about her, her parents really kept her grounded, which That's is awesome. amazing. They're like teachers, and like mm. yeah, didn't let didn't let Hollywood go to her head. That's uh, awesome. But thanks again, Paige, for coming on. We love to have guests. We love to have you. We love to hear about your industry experience. Um, Thank you guys so and, much. This is so much fun, and I love yeah. that you do this. And I so appreciate you asking me to be a guest. And yeah. Congrats on the Congrats new gig. On the new we'll job. have you back after yes. you get some some Disney Plus under your belt. Oh, yeah. I'll pick another movie from Disney. There, there we go. <laughs> yeah. I think we've only done one Disney movie. I think we've only done Dumbo. Oh wow, that's an interesting so, one to choose. Hmm. We're, or time, well, yeah. There's don't, some. Don't say anything bad about it, Paige. <laughs> oh, I would haven't even started. Yet. I would never. <laughs> Every Disney movie is amazing. Bob Iger's yeah. on the line. Oh no, 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 no. We love Dumbo. Wait, Bob. Bob. What's that? Bob. Bob. Hey, Bob. I read your book, Bob. <laughs> uh, I only got well, halfway through. On... Don't tell. It's good. Well, now he knows. Uh, David, you should probably check your fridge and make sure that milk ain't spoiled. <laughs> Gross milk is gross. Thanks for listening, guys. Please email us at agelikemilkpodcast at gmail.com if you've got suggestions. If you want to come on the podcast, just pitch yourself really hard to us. And don't forget to follow us on social media at agelikemilkpod and agelikemilkpodcast on Twitter. Uh, that's it, David. I will see you soon. Bye. See you another time. Thank see you, babe. Bye.